Well, I invite you to turn with me in the Bible to the book of Proverbs as we continue our uh, summer series through that particular book of Scripture, highlighting uh, selected themes as we go along. I know in the the back section of your worship uh, guide, there's some sermon notes all the way to the back, but a little bit uh, sooner than that in the announcement section will show you where we're headed in the upcoming weeks. I guess we're about midway through this uh, series will continue us through the end of June and on into the end of July, working through selected Proverbs and then highlighting some themes, practical and profound Proverbs is the way we've talked about it. I appreciate uh, Garrett uh, Greer being in the pulpit for me while I was gone the last uh, few weeks and really all our staff and volunteers. It's uh, wonderful to be able for my family to get away for a little bit, uh, a season of refreshment, some beach time with our with my folks and to know that things are so well handled here. So I appreciate all our our staff and volunteers and particularly Garrett uh, filling the pulpit. We um, we've been looking at uh, trying to look at four questions each week as we highlight these different sections in Proverbs. One, what does this say about God's character? So what are we learning here about God's character? What does it say, number two, about human foolishness? Or we would just call it sin, but in in Proverbs it's really focused in on this idea of folly, foolishness. Uh, What does this say? And this is an important one that might be a little harder to catch. What What do we learn about through this particular proverb, week in and week out, about God's fatherly Loving kindness, his mercy and his grace to me and you who tend to be foolish in the way we live instead of wise. And then lastly, of course, and this is maybe the one that jumps out to us the easiest, is we want to know what's the way of wisdom. Where where do we go? Where do we where do we head? What is God teaching us about how to live? And I'll remind us that I guess a month or, or more ago on Mother's Day, We looked at the idea of motherhood and looked at several passages in Proverbs that highlighted especially the the blessing that a mother is. And we talked about the fact that that's an extension of God's grace. None of us uh, parents, uh, none of us people are perfect. So mothers aren't perfect. Fathers aren't perfect. But that ultimately God is extending his grace through mothers. And we said that was important to recognize that blessing and cherish mothers. And and we could also say I mentioned back in that message uh, we could also say that the same is true of fathers, right? That we can, we should and could uh, cherish fathers. And, and then today, as we look at fatherhood and we look a little bit more specifically, so that was more about cherishing the blessing that God is showing us through our parents, through mothers, and then also through fathers. Today, as we look at fatherhood, we're going to dial in a little bit more on the challenges and responsibilities and blessings of being a parent. So how do we carry that out? And of course, we're going to focus on fathers on Father's Day, but also mothers is, you know, relevant too. So all that to say that back on Mother's Day, little did you know, and when you walked in here today, little did you know, you're getting two for one sermons both times. So if you want to go back and listen to the motherhood one, if you missed it and apply it to fatherhood, fantastic. If you're a mother here today, uh, there'll be plenty from what I have to say to fathers that Applies generally too. So hopefully that makes uh, makes sense for us today. Just one short passage we're going to read to start, and then we'll jump around a little bit later to several other uh, proverbs. And um, and let's start with with Proverbs 23, uh, verse 24, and it just says this: The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let's pray together again. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for who you are in our lives. And we pray today, as we have time in your word, to think about fatherhood again, to continue to meditate on your loving fatherhood of us, your people, sons and daughters, and that that comes to us purely by your grace. But it is a transforming grace. We pray, Lord, that we would see more of that. And then, Lord, also that we would be able to see, particularly the fathers here today, but all parents, how you uh, invite us to engage with the challenges, the blessings and the responsibilities of parenthood. And we pray this all in Jesus' name again. Amen. Well, uh, some of you that are connected with me through uh, Facebook, perhaps, uh, know that I've developed a fondness for a website, Facebook entity that developed, I think, just a year, year and a half ago called the Babylon Bee. The Babylon Bee. It's a humorous, satirical take on different elements of the Christian life. And they do a great job of poking fun at nearly everybody and in the midst of their poking fun to also prod us a little bit to, to look at our, our growth in the gospel. So uh, you, I know if any of you know me, you can't imagine why I would like that satirical website. But uh, but they, they, they published this one uh, just recently, and I thought it would be good for us today. The, the heading of the fake newspaper article, the humorous fake newspaper article, is this. Father of three wonders when he'll get a chance to influence others for Christ. And then the article reads this way. Louisville, Kentucky was the setting for this one, stating that he had a feeling, uh, feeling a sense of purposelessness and melancholy. For some months now, local father Andrew Harbaugh recently began wondering when he would ever get a chance to impact anyone for the sake of Christ. Sources close to him confirmed on Tuesday. Harbaugh reportedly spends his days working 10 hours at a desk job and his nights talking and playing with his three children. Quote, I just wish God would place a few people in my life for whom I could make an eternal difference, Harbaugh told reporters, his head in his hands. I just don't have time to do anything for the kingdom of God while I provide for my family and spend time with my three boys. He went on, surely the Lord will have something important for me to do someday. He further stated that every second of his day is taken up with these mundane tasks like instructing and caring for his children, leaving him little time to evangelize or influence for the gospel. I've just got my hands full with these kids, he says. When will I ever get to do some important work for the kingdom of God? Well, humorous, of course, but uh, probably on target for at least some of us in this room. Uh, certainly, perhaps there's, there's some of us that are so dialed in and so clearly have a vision for the development, dads in particular, of our, our young ones at home, or maybe we have adult children as we continue to pour into them. And we've got that so focused in that we've completely forgotten to you know, seek to reach out to the world around us. But for most of us, we probably have this sense that there's something, and maybe us preachers feed into it, that, oh, there's some big thing we need to be doing out there, and we're missing the forest for the trees, right? We're we're missing what's right in front of us, right there for us to do 
and that calling that God has given to us. So both of those things obviously important for us to look at how God wants us to engage beyond our household, but oh, so vital for us and uh, so dangerous for us to, so foolish, if you will, for us to miss that opportunity that's right before us. Fathers today, mothers as well, of course, we could apply this to. So with that in in mind, in the background, let's take a look at a couple more passages of Scripture in Proverbs that speak. Particularly, I want to talk first about the challenge and blessing of fatherhood, of parenthood. And then we'll look at some of the uh, responsibilities, I guess we we would put it. So verse uh, 1 of chapter 10, you can flip around with me to these if you want to. There's just a couple of them. Verse 10 or chapter 10, verse 1 of Proverbs says this. It says, a wise son makes his makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. You know, the, and we're going to read several other passages that relate to this. And they talk about parenthood and motherhood and fatherhood, and they relate it to wisdom and folly. And, and here's here's something that maybe if we don't have any other takeaway from today, I'd love for us to walk out here and be wrestling with and considering when we enter into uh, for all those of us here who are parents, or let's take it even broader, for any of us who enters into somebody else's life to try to be a blessing for the kingdom of God, we may not think about it this way, but we are entering into a battle between folly and wisdom. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way. But when we are, are parenting, when we are seeking to invest into others, because every single one of us, we know from our own story, is struggling between uh, folly and wisdom. When we enter into the life of our children, whatever age and stage they are, we're entering into that fight, that collision between wisdom and folly. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but as I was preparing for the sermon, I thought, you know, that's, that's a, maybe a really helpful way to think about our calling as parents. And they would help us to not be surprised maybe by all of the things we end up facing, and maybe give us a, a bigger vision for what we're trying to do, but one that we can kind of encapsulate, too. So this fight between wisdom and folly, and these verses in, in uh, Proverbs 10.1 reminds us that we are invited to great joy in fatherhood, in parenting, and we're also invited to risk and potential grief, Right? A wise son makes glad his father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother, right? And to his father. And a wise son brings gladness to his mother, too, right? So we're entering into this as parents, and our hearts are out there, and they, they should be. And, and there will be that tension as we enter into that fight between folly and wisdom that we encounter. That's the first thing I want us to see. The second uh, verse I'd like for us to look at is chapter 13, verse 1. It's interesting that in several places, the very first verse of the chapter, so I mean, the folks that laid out the chapters, it's interesting that way, but the very first uh, part of it addresses the father-son idea. Uh, Verse 1 of chapter 13, it says, A wise son hears his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Now, obviously, this is a good one for all of us here who are children at any stage of the game, young ones that are here with us in the worship service. Boy, this is a a reminder of where we can end up if we don't listen. Now, of course, Proverbs speaks in generalities. Parents don't always give the best advice. 
uh, parents that may not know the Lord or may not be walking with the Lord. We've got to filter their input through what we understand of Scripture for sure. But nevertheless, in general, there's this blessing that parents can bring to us. And as all those here who are children of any age or stage, it's a reminder, boy, we ought to look for the instruction, the wisdom that God might bring to us through our parents. And then it's also a reminder that, you know, we're going to feel like we're tossing wisdom, seeds of wisdom into the wind sometimes as parents. Uh, We've probably all had that experience uh, from the moment our child was old enough to be able to hear any kind of instruction or input to where we we say stuff and it just, where's that going? Those words just disappeared. They don't seem to land or have any impact. And the scriptures are reminding us, yeah, that's the... Tension of wisdom and folly. It's a great blessing and a work of God's grace when those words land in a positive way. But also, often, we shouldn't be surprised if our children don't heed everything that we say. It's not good for them. It's not good for us, but it's a fact. So, the challenge and blessing of parenthood. And then, one other one that actually ties together. This is back in chapter 10. Ties together with what Garrett was preaching the last couple of weeks that I just thought was interesting was included here, and especially maybe as we think about fatherhood, and I know for many of our house and some of our households, maybe the mother is the primary, uh, you know, provider. In many of our households, there's maybe a, a balance between that, and some of our households represented here, the the husband, the father is the is the main provider, or maybe the sole provider. In, in any event, it's interesting when we think about work and the benefits of work that we highlighted the last few weeks in our Proverbs series. Look at chapter 10, verse 5. It says, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. So one thing, interestingly, that Proverbs highlights, that's a good thing to seek for us to pass along, and it's a little challenging because we live in a culture and society where we've got a lot of blessings. And probably most of us have Parents or grandparents, at least. I know I've got grandparents that were like Depression era uh, of, of American history. And they can tell stories of barely making it by and learning a diligent work ethic. But that was part of what they were taught and passed along. You know, it's a little harder for us today. Probably some of us, fathers, mothers, we lean on, you know, being pretty cushy with our kids and providing every single thing that they need. And they never learn that opportunity to work. Maybe some of us are a little too hard on our kids and never just show that that kindness and and only expect them to, uh, you know, provide for what they they need. I probably lean toward that side a little bit. My boys would testify. You want something nice? There's lawns to mow out in the neighborhood. That's great. Go do that. But it's interesting. The Proverbs says that's one of the things that we can pass along, maybe particularly that fathers can pass along, is that vision for God's calling to to work and to uh, to be productive in that way. Well, uh, I won't pretend today to comment. Uh, we're talking about challenges and blessings here, and I want to move on to responsibilities. But I won't pretend today as a father of four boys to have uh, really one ounce of, of input probably to, to pass along specifically to the fathers here of daughters. Some of us have, fa- have sons and daughters. Some of us here have only daughters. But I did find uh, these humorous uh, items online about fathers of sons that maybe will be uh, enjoyable for us to consider as we think about the challenge and blessings of parenthood. This is talking about sons. It says you find out some interesting things if you have sons. Number one, a, a three-year-old boy's voice is louder than 200 adults in a crowded restaurant. That's number one. Number two, if you hook a, a dog leash over a ceiling fan, the motor is in fact not enough 
to rotate around a 42-pound boy wearing a Batman underwear costume. But it is strong enough, however, to spin around a paint can and spread paint all over four walls. Uh, number three, when you hear a toilet flush and the words, uh-oh, come afterwards, it's already too late. You've already missed it. Uh, number, number four, brake fluid mixed with Clorox makes smoke and lots of it. Number five, a six-year-old boy can start a fire with a flint rock, even though a 36-year-old man says it can only be done in the movies. Uh, number six, I think I'm on. The fire department has a five-minute response time. These are things you learn when you've got sons. The spin cycle on a washing machine does not make earthworms dizzy. It doesn't do it, but it will make cats dizzy. And lastly, 80% of men who read this will attempt to mix Clorox and brake fluid. <laughs> so it's not easy dealing with the folly, you know, of our, of our young ones and, and figuring that out. Hopefully we can step back and laugh about it a bit. On the serious side, I put in your worship guide, and if you don't turn there for any other purposes today, turn to the last couple of pages of that worship guide and read this quote I'm about to share. If you've been around our church for a little while, I've probably shared it before. It's compelling to me and, and thought-provoking as we pivot into the responsibilities of, uh, of parents. And it's from Charles Spurgeon, preacher in the 1800s in, um, in Great Britain. And he says this. He says, many a poor man... Many a poor man has no other legacy to leave his children except his blessing. But the blessing of an honest, holy Christian father is a rich treasure to his son. Well might one feel it a thing to be deplored through life to have lost a parent's blessing. That's true, isn't it? And, you know, we've got the uh, privilege in our society, many of us, to provide a lot of stuff for our young ones. It's, it's wonderful that we can. And trips that they can take and special educational opportunities and material stuff that we can provide. What a reminder. What a reminder. You don't have to have any of that stuff to be able to pass along to your child the most important thing. Your blessing, your love, your uh, celebration of who they are. And you can also we can also fall into the folly as parents of thinking that when we provide all those other things, but forget to provide that blessing that somehow we're doing what we need to. Let us not forget this is the most important thing we can do is to convey uh, the Lord's blessing to our child and be a vehicle of speaking that blessing and showing that kindness and love to our children. So Spurgeon's on target there, I think. And that leads us to our uh, responsibilities as parent, as parents. Goodness, there's a lot that we could say uh, here. And, of course, we can think about just something as simple as the greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Who's that nearest neighbor that we've got? Our nearest neighbor is our, our spouse, perhaps, and our, our children. If if God's put us in that situation, we can think about the scriptural Example in the parable we call the prodigal son in Luke 15. We don't have time to turn there. It's interesting. Of course, we call it the prodigal son. And as others have pointed out, it's really about both the, the son that runs away and the son that stays at home. Because the son that stays at home is in as much need of realizing 
uh, the grace of his father and living in the grace of his father is the one that runs away. And, and the one that runs, leaves and takes all the inheritance and kind of essentially spits in his father's face and doing that and then squanders it all. You know, it's all gone. But he comes back seeking mercy. And we see that powerful picture, which is, of course, a picture of our heavenly father. Where the father runs out, you know, he breaks uh, propriety of the time and the robes or whatever that they wear. You know, he hikes the thing up, which a father wouldn't do. And he runs out, which a father wouldn't do. And all of those things that remind us of the picture of God's love for us. And that one of the chief things, fathers, that we can do is be receiving ourselves deeper and deeper understanding and recognition of God's love. And then extending that love out to our our household, you know, starting there and then, Lord willing, into our community. Mothers as well were called, uh, mothers as well called to the to the same. Uh, the challenge is we don't always do that uh, so well, do we? Uh, we? We struggle to show love that way. Now, one of the ways, of course, is fathers that we tend to think of showing love, and it's a good one, is provision for the household. So getting up and going to work, and I know many in our church have been in between jobs and had to pick up some work in between and do whatever we can to do, and that that is uh, so vital. Uh, we we, we want to do that. We need to do that. But in between and in the midst of all of that, we need to remember God's calling for us to just extend love, extend His kindness that way. The uh, the second thing, and the last thing I want us to think about is, I guess what I've titled. So both of those would fall under love. The second thing I would title discipline. Uh, I wouldn't be the first person to toss out the idea of sort of, you know, father being the, the chief discipline. I'm sure in a lot of households, moms involved heavily in that. And I think both should be. That makes makes sense. But some sometimes, you know, the buck stops with dad, the buck stops with dad. And uh, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want us to remember that part of bringing what we would call discipline or discipling to our household is not just, um, you know, bringing out the punishment whenever it needs to be brought out. But it's also the proactive instruction and sharing of of God's word. Um, Dads, fathers who are here, there's a a model that we've probably adopted without even realizing it that goes back to like the Victorian era of the 1800s and earlier. And it's a model that says that spiritual investment in the next generation and children is women's business. Right. And that men's business is to, you know, be out in the whatever the work world and to do, you know, be out hunting and whatever. So I like both of those things as much as anybody else and feel called to them. But Scripture really challenges that model that somehow we would say as uh, fathers who are here that that's not something that's important for us to be involved in. And we're really trying to help. Now, I struggle with it. We've, we've mentioned early on this in this year and highlighted a couple of times this little catechism book. And you're tired of me sharing with it. But we're trying to do something where we've, we've got these questions on Sunday morning that your, your family's hearing in your worship service, you're hearing. And then you've got an opportunity to look at this at home. It's, it's about as spoon-fed as we could get. For anybody now, I will confess, you know, we we had to look for ours the other day because we'd put it in the car. I said, let's put it in the car because we're going to so many sports practices and we're not getting time to do it. And I realized it's been in the car and I haven't remembered to remind our family to do it. And we did finally get down to look at ours last night for the first time in probably two weeks. So I confess that readily to you. But this is this is a way, dads, that we can initiate with our family. 
And I'm happy, you know, patience, my wife, helps, helps lead our family through it. So it's not just me talking and it's interactive. But those are things where we can apply leadership and initiative to helping our family grow spiritually. Uh, dads, if you haven't picked up a copy, maybe your, your wife has, but dads, if you haven't picked up a copy of our little vision for spiritual development, church and family put together, and you've never read through that, there's a couple copies out there on the table. Pick that up and read it. Get, get some kind of bearings. Maybe you're not, I'd love for you to go back and teach uh, Sunday school. Maybe you're not going to do that. But be thinking through, be praying through how God can use you in our church and in your family to invest in instructing your little ones. And lastly, Proverbs has got a few things to say about correction as well. So let's finish on that. Is that clock right up there? Just so I know. I know you just made everybody turn. Is it 11 o'clock? I don't have my watch on me. Okay, good. I'm about to land the plane. You guys are feeling good about it. We're about to bring it in. It's interesting. Uh, one of the things that Again, in so many of these matters, there's, there's altering perspectives out there. Maybe you come from a family where, you know, dad was dialed in on discipline about as much as he could possibly be, right? You, you, you had maybe a little bit too much of that. Maybe, maybe that's caused you to be in reaction. You're on the other side, or maybe you grew up in a family like this where, you know, dad's oblivious. Or maybe mom and dad both oblivious. Their parenting style, very loose and free, just, you know, whatever, whatever everybody wants to do, that's fine. Well... You know, certainly the scriptures speak in Ephesians about the fact that we got to be careful, especially fathers, not to exasperate our children. So there is a point where we can um, be so heavy handed that we, we overdo it. So that that's there. But I also thought it was interesting going all the way back to the 1830s. I found this uh, this reference. I thought you all would maybe find it interesting as well that we're not the first generation of people to struggle with whether we're having too much or too little input to the direction of our, our young ones. And it, it's a, a story of Samuel Taylor Coleridge, the famous uh, writer and so forth. And he was hanging out with another gentleman, John Fellwall. And this guy Fellwall was a speaker at the time who was advocating, this is 1830s, leaving kids to their own uh, direction, right? Just let them go do whatever they, they want to. And certainly that's something we, we would maybe hear today as well. And Coleridge said this. He was walking Thelwall around his uh, his botanical garden. And uh, Thelwall said, well, this doesn't look like a garden at all, Mr. Coleridge, because it's covered in weeds. And Coleridge said to Thelwall, that's only because it's not come to its age of discretion and choice. The weeds, you see, have taken the liberty to grow. And I thought it unfair for me to prejudice this garden towards strawberries and roses. Well stated. Well stated, isn't it? Uh, there's a balance there somewhere. And ultimately, it's worked out in our relationship with God as parents for how we show grace and show firmness as well. But you can be assured, if, we don't, if we're not providing any kind of direction and with any intentionality towards that, there's going to be a lot of weeds growing up in that garden. And we don't think that way about other things in life. So we shouldn't think that way about parenting either. A couple of passages in, in uh, Proverbs that speak to that. We don't have time as we close to look at all of them. But Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Folly's bound up in the heart of a child, right? And that there's a place for this rod of discipline. Uh, that correction is vital and important. Uh, other scriptures, 13, 24, is famous one for Proverbs. He who spares the rod actually hates his son. He who loves him is careful 
to discipline him. So fathers, uh, and we do discipline with a, in a loving way and probably each do in different ways, but that's an important way for us to serve and glorify God in our families. Well, I'll close with this from uh, Dr. Dan Doriani, uh, a, a friend uh, that I know from my seminary days and a pastor at a previous church that I served at. And he, he wrote a book about uh, dads and well, wrote, wrote a book about men and manhood, including some information about dads. He said this talking about the, the, the Reformation and how this shapes our, our thoughts. I'll close with this. He says, Martin Luther, recalling that he never awoke with pigtails in his face and a blanket stolen from his bed when he was in the monastery, observed that family life is a school of character. That is, parenting blesses us by teaching us to love sacrificially, to bend our will to another's. Parents learn to subordinate their plans, their goals, their happiness and fulfillment, to spend themselves for little ones who can give very little in return. Babies cry more than they smile. Little children are a bundle of need, and teenagers bring more worries than celebrations. They teach us to expand the circle of passionate concern beyond ourselves and our children, our community, and even the good of distant generations. And then he closes with this. If we relinquish the hope of gain, if we rouse ourselves from the dream that children will somehow pay off, they can enrich our lives. When little ones gasp at their first Christmas tree, When their first snowflake dances in their eyes, they restore our sense of wonder and the love of life. Their belly laughs, their stumbling acrobatics, their earnest lisping of family names is more entertaining than season tickets to the theater. A little older, they restore play to our stodgy routines. Still older, they become our friends, even our guides, and love and care for aging parents. In these ways and more, children are a blessing. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this time that we've had to consider the calling that you have. We praise you for this uh, whole design that you have for our lives, for the structure of families. And we know, Lord, that uh, there's brokenness in our, our families in various ways. And yet we praise you for bringing fathers, bringing mothers, and for how you desire to use them to be an extension of your blessing. And Lord, we we pray probably today as we consider your fatherhood, there's there's struggles we have, disappointments with our our own fathers, maybe ways we've disappointed our father as well or our parents. Father, we're probably convicted by ways we, we need to grow in our parenting or in our fatherhood as it applies to those here. And so we, we ask, Lord, that you would really go before us, show us your path, that we may walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen.